Hey, what's up? Hey, friend, thanks for coming over tonight. It's a great night for a campfire. The fireflies are out in force this summer. They're so surreal, like God's little flying organic LEDs. Yeah, that's the bullfrogs down at the creek. They're out in force tonight after the nice summer shower we had today. I'm telling you, my friend, it's going to be a good one. Hey, this is Kenny Price, Guadot Rocks, God of the World and Other Things. I'm your host. Our mission, advancing equilibrium in the midst of an agitated world. We're in the middle of our series, Plain Revelation. And in between the introduction of the first beast, the Antichrist, and the second beast, there is a short interlude of a couple of verses that are very important. Verses 8 through 10, it says, All those who live on the earth will worship it, talking about the Antichrist. Everyone whose name was not written from the foundation of the world in the book of life of the Lamb who was slaughtered. If anyone has ears to hear, let him listen. If anyone is to be taken captive, into captivity he goes. If anyone is to be killed with a sword, with a sword he will be killed. This calls for endurance and faithfulness from the saints. In just a brief moment, I want to give you some encouraging words that are basically hidden or based in this section of Scripture. And what we see really hidden here is the eternal promise. Because you see, those who pay their allegiance to the Antichrist will be those who are not found written in the Lamb's Book of Life, the ones whose names were not written in the Lamb's Book of Life. But that Lamb's Book of Life has an eternal promise that is covered by a guaranteed warranty for life. This record book of names has the seal of authenticity on it. It has been sealed with the blood of the sacrificial Lamb, Jesus Christ. You remember back in Revelation chapter 5, verse 9, it says, You were slain. And with your blood, you purchased men for God from every tribe and language and people and nation. Folks, Jesus really was slain for your sin and my sin long before the beast of Satan ever existed. Jesus is supreme. When he was slaughtered before the foundation of the world, he did it for the right reason. In Matthew chapter 23, verse 34, it says, Then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed by my father. Take your inheritance, the kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. Ephesians chapter 1 verse 4 says, Long ago, even before he made the world, God loved us and chose us in Christ to be holy and without fault in his eyes. When we think about Jesus being slain for our sin, he was slain since before the fall of man, and God has had man's best interest at heart. God's grace has always been extended to man and will be extended until the sealing. The word translated life here is opposite of the word translated death, which is used many times in the activities surrounding the beast. There is a drastic contrast between the future of the Christ followers and the followers of the beast. The main thing that matters is the sovereignty of God, not the power of evil. But we're talking about an an eternal promise that traverses time. It says the lamb slain from since the creation of the world. The eternal promise that not only is covered by a guaranteed warranty for life, life eternal, but a warranty and a guarantee and an eternal promise that traverses time. It says the lamb slain from since the creation of the world. Folks, we possess a post-history hope based on prehistory. This places our eternal condition out of the reach of Satan, for he is in the category of created. So we look back to the promises to make it through the problems. Right now, as we go through these difficult times, You and I must look back to the promises of God to make it through the problems. Also, let's remember the foolproof plan. 
Here, we understand that it's designed to function despite human error. It's designed to continue working properly in the face of any kind of human error, incompetence, or misuse. You see, under the providence of God, we have the wisdom, care, and guidance provided by God Almighty, the caring hand of God guiding mankind. It's a foolproof plan that flows from the divine providence of God. We see the determination of God in verses 9 and 10, where it says, He who has an ear, let him hear. If anyone is to go into captivity, into captivity he will go. If anyone is to be killed with the sword, with the sword he will be killed. The saying that follows is gnomic, in other words, a law representing a universal truth. The best translation here is if anyone is to be taken captive, to captivity he goes. If anyone slays with the sword, with the sword must he be slain. A word of reminder to the captive and the captor. God's divine providence is in control of every circumstance and outcome. Leon Morris says that this teaches an acceptance of the realities of life. If it is in the providential care of God that the Christian is to go into captivity, then to captivity he will surely go. Friend, we must fall back upon the wisdom and care of a heavenly Father who guides our lives. Proverbs chapter 16, verse 9 says, A man plans his way, but the Lord directs his steps. Isaiah 48, 17 says, This is what the Lord says, Your Redeemer, the Holy One of Israel, I am the Lord your God who teaches you what is best for you, who directs you in the way you should go. In Jeremiah chapter 15, verse 2, we hear the early pronouncement of this passage in the book of Revelation. Jeremiah wrote, And if they ask you, where shall we go? Tell them, this is what the Lord says. Those destined for death, to death. Those for the sword, to the sword. Those for starvation, to starvation. Those for captivity, to captivity. But friend, in the midst of this, it's the strong reminder that God's providential care and his direction for this planet will not be thwarted by the activities of Satan. And it also cannot be thwarted or be foiled by human suffering. Someone may say that God would never destine one of his children to captivity. Dear friend, don't forget the people who are held in captive at this very moment across this world because of the blood of the Lamb and the word of their testimony. Yes, some Christians are destined for such things. This is not fatalism, but faith in God and the conviction that God is sovereign and works at His good and perfect will. In the days of strong persecution, this is a strong consolation. The saints trust in a God who works in this manner. Are you trusting in the God who works this way? To deny the reality of the suffering of the saints is hurtful heresy. We must come to the point in each of our lives where we accept suffering in this life as a means of grace. Lest we forget, remember who is writing this book. The Apostle John, as he wrote this book, was in the middle of suffering. But the third point is, let's stick to the main point. When the going gets tough, the saints of God endure and stay faithful. It is a stick-to-it attitude that actively participates in God's kingdom work when there is no external support. Because you see, in verse 10 it says, this calls for endurance and faithfulness from the saints. I want to remind you, Romans chapter 15, verse 4 says this, For everything that was written in the past was written to teach us, so that through the endurance taught in the scriptures and the encouragement they provide, we might have hope. So friend, today, take this forewarning, this pronouncement of future things to come that are set in stone as a means to gain hope because it tells us that God Almighty is in control and circumstances cannot thwart his plans. Satan cannot thwart his plans. 
Human suffering cannot thwart his plans, and we have the eternal hope and condition. And with that, my friend, I bid you peace.